Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Truth About Real Estate podcast. Today, we have special guest Jenny Locke from the Own Real Estate team, uh, partner with Side Real Estate. And you know, today I want to introduce to her. She's a top thirty finalist honoree under thirty under thirty for real estate for realtor. Um, she's also a great real estate agent on a great team and has been doing a lot of real estate investing. And today, we want to dive in, learn more about her career, and see what she's been up to and how she's grown so quickly into real estate and investing. Welcome, Jenny. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks so much for having me here today, Matthew. I'm excited to share my journey and um, connect with your audience here too. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people in the Bay Area have been watching you and seeing you jump into real estate. I think you mentioned you started back in 2017 and quickly everyone has been mentioning like you're such a beast in real estate and that you've been crushing it. And they everyone wonders how you do it so good, so fast and help so many uh, people get into you know great homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I think we have a lot of great mutual friends and excited seeing you grow and the network that um, you've built out as well, too. Thanks. And, you know, I think you mentioned in 2017 you started. So how did you actually start getting into real estate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, growing up, I've seen my parents like, buying some investment properties and we moved from a single family home to a duplex and then they've bought other investments too. So I saw in the background and they were immigrants and they didn't really speak English well. So my brother and I would help him, uh, my dad draw up some leases and I would see him go collect rent. And it was interesting because the uh, tenants spoke Spanish and then my dad didn't speak English well either. So I was just trying to communicate with them and co- collecting rent, but seeing how the transformation has been. And I remember wanting to go to USC and go to college um, out of area. And then he would, I think initially he wasn't sure how to pay for it, but then I realized what helped pay for it was all of his real estate investments. Um, so that was a first initial trigger and going into real estate was more so um, something that I actually saw on like an Instagram ad. It was like a free real estate class and I went to it, saw how people were able to build financial freedom and success through, um, through real estate, whether it was flipping homes or buying passive income properties or being a real estate agent. So there was a lot of channels that you could dive into that you can be able to build that financial freedom at an early age. So I saw my parents work so hard and being immigrants and still working in their full-time um, clothing factory job that and investing in real estate. I was like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it too, but let's do it better. <laughs> Nice. It's kind of nice how you see and you look back at a lot of our Asian parents, you know, they, a lot of them invested in real estate and mm-hmm. I'm not sure who taught them how or when to do it, but a lot of them have you know, jumped into real estate. They started investing, buying their homes, uh, figuring it out quickly and then saving all their money, you know, really hard, working hard, saving their money um, and then using that to help pay for college, pay for your family, pay for food and everything. And it's kind of amazing to see how that turned out and then how, how you, I, and others have gotten to real estate because of our parents, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it makes sense. And it's nice to see that passive income. And I don't know if they directly teach you about it, but they, you just see them mm-hmm. in the background uh, doing it. And you're like, how come they did that? And like, why are they working so hard at a full-time job? And then also investing in real estate. It's kind of like nice to see uh, our parents, you know, do that, right? Yeah, I remember um, my parents at all the Chinese restaurants, they would take the magazines, the Chinese magazines of all the real estate, and there would be piles of it in the backseat of the car. And then that would be the only thing we could read when we were driving. So I was looking through it and like, okay, I 
didn't really understand how to read Chinese fully, but I was like, oh, I know this word, I know this word. So then <laughs> seeing the properties, what it would sell for. It is. I think um, I think one of the magazines I've seen a lot throughout just in time uh, being in the Bay Area is like the Stanley Lowe magazines, you know, the colorful, uh, just sold like $500 million of real estate and it's been out for 30 years and just printing his own, you know, uh, articles every single time. It just like throughout the years, it just keeps coming, you know. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. one of the funny things. It's funny, yeah. Actually, my family came. Uh, they, my parents, also had a factory in, like back in the days, you know. And then they grew up, and then they came over here, and they started investing in real estate. They owned the restaurants, and they did all that stuff. And then, kind of like you just fall into it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So then, did your parents directly try to show you about real estate passive investing, or you just kind of did it yourself? Yeah, they didn't really teach me directly. I think it was more so going to. Um, dinners with their their partners and investors that they were all teaming up with and hearing it in the background because we would be on the kids table and then they would be in the bigger round table in the Chinese restaurants. Uh, but they never taught me directly. They wanted me to be in a stable job. And um, I worked at Oracle after graduation at USC and worked there for a few years. And they, when I told them I wanted to get into real estate, they're like, why you have a stable like income like real estate is not like a stable income I'm like no i think i can uh, definitely be able to make more there and i have a great mentor and that i'm going to join his team uh wilson as you've known him for years as well too so being able to join his team and seeing the success um it, and now like, my mom shares like all of my posts uh reshares my posts on facebook and she's probably friends with you as well and requested you. (laughs) I gotta check it out. That's nice that your mom and family support so much and they believe that, you know, believe in you and you did it. And to jump from Oracle, a tech company that makes good income, you know, good benefits and everything to go into real estate is not an easy decision and it's hard. And you know, when you're doing it, you're going for it. And then you you help prove it, that you can do it. And that, you know, I'm sure they're super proud of what you accomplished so quickly, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's only been a few years, and it's very surreal that we've been able to, um, looking back, I've been able to accomplish all these milestones in life, and I think that's where I'm here to reach out to your audience and uh, connect with the people who are listening here today, that they can do it as well, and we're all examples living live proof. Yeah. And, you know, you're definitely, I would say, you know, pretty young. And then to start in 2017, it's only less than three years and you were able to hit 30 under 30. And that's not an easy task to achieve, you know. And we want to learn more, like how we'll start with this part. Like, how did you actually get into real, uh, you got into real estate? We understand that. And then how did you quickly get to top 30 under 30? Yeah. So. It's a lot about mindset. So Wilson was one of the finalists for 30 and 30. And then I told him I'm going to be that as well, too. So even before I got licensed, I would have my daily affirmations every single day. And I would wake up and say, I'm Jenny and I'm 30 under 30. And I would say that every day. I would think it when I'm driving to my appointment. I would say it. Um, I would say it out loud to our training classes. We had bold with Keller Williams, the, our last brokerage. And I would stand up and own up to it. And I think I really, really believe in speaking things into existence. So, for example, like buying this house here that I'm living in, having this interview with you virtually, um, I spoke into existence in March. I'm like, this is the house I'm going to get. And I walked into this house. I'm like, this is the house I visualize. (laughs) Wow. And that mindset matters. And then the affirmations and then writing things down and actually visualizing that you're going to be there at a certain time period actually actually works. 
you know I'm not sure why that happens but i think it's part of the mindset you're like setting a goal in your own head that i'm going to be here this time i'm going to get it this is my house this is where i want to be and you just you're, you're mentally push yourself there and your body just follows it and just goes right mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's where also really surrounding yourself with great mentors um you're the average of the five people that you hang out with and that's not just personality wise and habits but also um, what you make and income as well too. So I really look to change and update my mentors and challenge them too. So it's great to see Wilson and our teammates be able to hit a lot of amazing goals um, in the time frame alongside with us on this journey. I think, yeah, one thing is you partner with a really great mentor. I would, I would say one of the best mentors out there, uh, especially in our area alone, but just in general, because he is, I think other agents, other top agents have mentioned him too. And they're like, I don't know how he does it, but like, he's so hyper-focused. He knows exactly what he wants and he'll reach the goals and he'll find the way to get there and nothing stops him. And to bring you guys along with him to do that and to be able to coach, mentor, and help uh your whole team achieve that goal is not easy. And I know he's like, uh, not like an army drill sergeant, but like he'll push you so hard to get to where you, where you said you want to be. And uh, if you don't, if you fail, then he kind of knows like, Hey, you're not even uh, meeting expectations of what you told me you want. And when you guys do that together and being a right you know team together, that you guys are just like killing it out there and you're top 1%, you guys are crushing it. You guys are dominating, dominating markets that you guys choose to dominate. And it's, you know, hard for others to beat it. But at the same time, we know there's abundance of properties, abundance of clients anyways. And uh, it's nice to see that you guys feel the same way. And everyone in your team is helping to provide value to everyone else as well. And just say, hey, here's real estate. Here's how you invest. Here's how you become an agent. Here's how you become a top agent. You can choose who you want to be with. But here's what we do in our team and how you guys grow so, you know, so greatly together it's kind of nice to see that and i like everything that you guys have been doing as a team you know yeah and to reiterate what you're saying it's having that abundance mindset is really important because a lot of people go in they're like oh how can you um my friend worked with a, a different realtor or like oh they didn't work with me or just like they what we say and when you start off is like don't have that commission breath because you're coming from a sense of scarcity so just really come from a mind of abundance there's so many people out there that we can help and it, it's okay that they're not willing they're not going to work with us so just move on and learn from your uh, mistakes and just constantly share the wealth of abundance too of knowledge out there like what you're doing here with the podcast sharing sharing other people's experiences for us we also like host a lot of webinars too so that's something where we're doing for free and just providing knowledge out there I, th- I think that's a great way too because it shows like a, a part of leadership a part of just uh training yourself too because the more you're out there actively you know creating webinars creating events creating value uh people see that agency uh investors clients everyone sees how much you share but by sharing that you're actually learning yourself so much quicker and then you're providing way more exposure way more value to everyone so then naturally they just want to like they see how you are how you work and they want to come work with you too and they see your style they either like it or they don't like it but at least you're providing massive value and Mm -hmm. part of doing that too it just you know people want to be surrounded by people who you know help right and have that abundance mindset rather than hey i'm going to keep everything for myself i'm going to be super scared not going to share any secrets i'm just going to be you know uh like that and that's so hard for them to grow to the levels that you guys are growing because the top leaders all have that abundance mindset they have all have that you know provide affirmations provide the mental training and guidance right Mm -hmm. definitely 
I think one of the things too, like I talked to like Decent, I talked to Alex, Ty, everyone, like you guys too, and you guys all mentioned the same thing: mindset, drive, mentorship, uh, coaching, and daily time blocking and kind of scheduling and like being uh, intentional, really intentional and proactive. Does that matter to become a top agent or a top investor? Yeah, I think really understanding your schedule and sticking it to it and realizing um, working backwards too. So for example, like calculate how much you want to make per year and then um, minus how many weeks you want to take off, like how many weeks you want off of the year, let's say 52 weeks of the year minus four weeks. And then how many hours do you want to work? So work backwards from like that $500,000 goal and then divide it to see what your hour per worth is. And I realized my hour per worth right now is roughly around $350 to $400 an hour. So if I am doing tasks that are um, not worth that, then it's, I should delegate it to someone else or be able to outsource it and not put things on my calendar that are not um, dollar producing in that way to help to the goals. And I think at this time, it's really important to time block and not only with business, but also with personal, because a lot of people focus so much on business. And I think that's something where I'm sure a lot of people you interviewed in the beginning, like their first year or two, like they're grinding and working 14, 16 hour days, seven days a week, and they don't have... Um, a personal life, they lose out on their health, they lose out on relationships and a lot of other things. So being able to look inside yourself and be able to still support your own energy, because the energy is so important. If you're not like working out, or if you're not um, doing things active, then you the energy you're giving and like, even if you're working 16 hour days, you're not fully there for other people. And you're actually giving doing them a disservice because you're not fully there for yourself to give to them. Yeah, I think um, you mentioned like time and balance. And you're right when you know, and I think Ben Kinney mentioned a lot of this too, um, that you have to kind of value your time and know your numbers. And by working backwards and figuring out your dollar per hour, you can start saying, hey, really have that mindset. Anything that's under that dollar, I need to start delegating it out. I need to find the right people to do that. I need to learn to be a leader. I need to learn how to delegate and to let go and have the kind of 80-20 rule where they'll do the best they can, but at least they do 80% of the work. You can go back and review and train them and improve it. But if you never get rid of the $10 an hour jobs and you keep doing everything, you're going to burn out eventually. And it's not healthy. And like you said about healthy, when you're when you have the mental energy, the focus, and you can show how passionate you are, but at the same time, people see how how focused and how you're helping everyone and that energy they just want to be surrounded by it right and they know that hey wow this is a great person she is a killer at business and she can help me buy sell and invest in real estate but at the same time she has a whole team surrounded by her to accomplish my goals mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. why is it so hard for agents to let go and like so hard for agents to delegate to um, expand and like get rid of those low producing dollar per hour why do they feel the need to do it themselves I definitely did have that initial thought in the beginning and I actually brought on my first full-time um, partner. Uh, so I call her my client care manager and she's been able to even challenge me like this morning. She was like, don't reply to these emails. Like you should be focusing on um, other emails. I will take care of that. And I think that gives me a lot of release and Sometimes I think initially I don't want to put the burden on someone else and I know I can do it initially faster and quicker, but realizing that's 
not benefiting her in any way and it's not benefiting me and not benefiting our clients. Um, so learning to slowly let go. Initially, a lot of people like are micromanagers and they want to provide the ultimate best service to their clients. And it is like for us, we are everything that we do ties back to our brand. So if our brand is like tarnished in a way um, by a negative response or like a, like something that was not done correctly, then we think of that, but realize like the clients are not going to see. And it's like, as long as you train them correctly and realize they're going to make mistakes and it's not going to be perfect because they're not thinking the same way you are and they haven't had the same experience, but coach them through it and don't get like upset or mad at them that they didn't do it exactly how you did it. It's just, okay, how can we train um, people to be able to uh, course correct and do it in a way that we we would handle it ourselves and they might be able to even do it better than us. And I think that's something that we all have to let go of and uh, to delegate <laughs> eventually. Yeah. I think that word is like kind of like fail forward fast and by doing that you're, you know, trying to say, Hey, first thing I just always about trust. I'm trusting you that you're part of my team. Now we're, we have the same mindset and goals and that we're going to do this together. Um, I am delegating to you, my assistant, and that I know it's not going to be perfect, but at the same time, I know you're trying your best. And of course there's things that it's, it's always going to be my fault. I'm the leader. I'm the, I'm the, you know, operator. I need to make sure it's always my fault every employee right but i need to show how to help improve it how to make it better how to be better at communicating i think one thing we see is you know communication is lacking uh they're not explaining what you exactly want you assume they understand what you want and if they did that'd be perfect but not always the case right that they don't understand but over time you can actually train them really well to understand exactly what you want create your systems your processes uh, and help them and just like fine-tune it as you go along to each uh next goal next step and understand yourself that nothing's ever perfect, right? You can do everything yourself, but you're you're gonna burn out and spend the time doing something that you shouldn't be doing anyways. And they might do it way better than you. You don't know until you let it go and let it try, let them try, right? But what happens after that is you get your time back and then it's about utilizing your time now to do the greater good of, you know, higher producing dollar activities, right? Mm -hmm, How did it feel when you, get, uh, you started letting go? It was, it was a little nerve wracking at first, for sure. But I think, um, I think focusing on the under, like the next goal. So I've always had certain goals for myself, like every year, it's like starting off was like to get 30 under 30. And once I got that, I'm like, okay, what's next? And what's next was buying my house for my with an ADU that my parents can live in, uh, in the future. And I'm like, okay, I just got that a few months ago. Now what's next? And the next goal is to be able to really coach and um, enlighten others and be a leader, because first I had to be a leader for myself. And then I can be a leader, then I can be a leader for others. So now it's like being now I'm taking the step to being a leader for uh, my team members. And then once they become leaders, then I can step back a bit more to be a leader for a bigger community and be able to coach and teach. And I just got hired for my first coaching um, gig that a paid coaching gig, getting paid like $1,000 a month for two coaching calls. So that, right. that is like a huge milestone where um, speaking it to existence, it does happen. And I think that's something where I want to be able to enlighten other people on a greater scale through group coaching. And then once we can um, go to travel, like be at larger uh, speaking events in person. 
that's a great accomplishment. I think one of the top goals is to become like a international uh, global coach, right? And to uh, be able to, to command that kind of price points and maybe one day gain to like Tony Robbins level, you know, those kind of levels that be, would be a really amazing to achieve or one day. Um, that's, you know, great because that's like Tom Ferry pricing and even better, you know, to uh, per hour per you know session, right? To do that. And that shows how much value you're providing because people see what you have done to get there and they believe that you can help them get there too and to learn to be a coach to pr to actually prove that you can help most of them get to where they want to be and show your experience behind how you did it is you know of course being a leader like you did it first you showed them how the way to get there right you have experience doing that and you're so doing yourself too <laughs> trying trying to help all agents and try to make sure we're pushing them and guiding them and showing them different ways to do it everyone has a different personality type um back in when i was a tech guy i trained like hundreds of engineers almost a thousand engineers in cybersecurity. so i kind of take that background to help train real estate agents and show them the models the tech the, um, the hustle but at the same time it's hard to train everyone to want to achieve their own goals you know so that's a challenge as a coach too. How do you push them to their limits and potential and have them, I think the number one ability is to learn, be open to learning and changing quickly because in this industry right now in 2020, tech is changing so quickly, right? Yeah. And I think something that came off from what you mentioned is once people are fairly successful in real estate, they also get very comfortable. So yeah. they're like, okay, I'm getting my repeat referral business and I'm doing my 20, 30 deals a year and this is great. And they get really comfortable. So I think that's something else that I like what you're doing is um, challenging people on a different scale on, okay, what's the next level above this comfortability? And also realizing some of these people who are very comfortable, it is going to be hard to change their mindset. And it's okay to let them be comfortable because that's what they want to be. And that is their goal. Um, they not everyone has that ultimate goal of being on stages or creating a podcast or running a brokerage. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think kind of like when I look back at the history, all these coaches always keep talking about my mindset. And I was like, why are you guys always talking about mindset? And you kind of go back and look at it. Okay, I understand why you're talking about mindset, because no matter what sales is sales, you can sell, you can help people, you can educate yourself. But if you don't have the mindset, you'll never get to the top because you're never choosing to focus and your energy on the right mindset that you want to be to achieve your goal. And now I realize, okay, yeah, you're right. It's always about that. And you know, everyone drills into the mindset and it's hard for people to change their mindset. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the biggest cha big challenges I see for our agents is um, even investing, uh, changing your mindset to say, hey, I'm gonna do it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they are comfortable where they are at and it's um, going through a lot of uncomfortability and stretching your bandwidth and stretching your mind and going through long hours of learning um, that some people don't want to do. And I think that's where the people who do want to do it, that's um, a great thing because then you're going to set yourself apart from everyone else. And let's go back to like, you know, when you got into real estate in 2017 and then you joined Wilson's team, what was the and you mentioned the mindset to join Wilson's team was you saw you saw a great mentor. You're pushing yourself above the levels. You wanted to be surrounded by great people. And then once you jumped into his team, how did you quickly start building your clientele and start selling so quickly and um, growing? Yeah, I remember when I just started, I would shadow him at every single appointment, and then I would reach out to other agents um, that he was connected with, and um, like 
a, a few appointments where Belwyn, she lives down in um, San Jose and she would do a lot of new construction sales. So doing hard hat tours and doing that my first like weekend and then going on all these other appointments with other agents and just sitting and being their note taker because it also heightens the agent up being that, okay, they have like a personal assistant to take notes for them. Even though I wasn't working for these other agents, I would provide value and provide feedback and give them notes of what the conversation went. And um, that really heightened me. And then I also personally like was looking for other investment properties. So I would interview and call a lot of other agents in different areas in like Texas and Alabama. And I would see how they respond to calls, what questions they would ask and see how they made me feel too. And even though they had a great first call, but how, how was their follow-up? And I also read a lot of reviews on Yelp and on Zillow of a lot of other top agents and seeing what the reviews from other clients and how they um, were treating or uh, were treated and how the agents were treating them. I was like, okay, these are the great things. And I also looked at a lot of negative reviews too <laughs> of how people um, were treated poorly, how they, what they didn't like. And I was like, okay, that's what I want to avoid. And this is the structure I want to create for myself of what type of agent I want to become. Nice. That's actually really smart because when you look at other people on Yelp, you can see the reviews and how they feel. I think Decent mentioned too, like, you know, seeing top agents and how they make you feel. You walk into an open house, you talk, you have a call with a cold call with them. They make you feel a certain way and you can show their expertise, but at the same time, you can show their relationship and kind of care and how they're trying to help you. They're not selling you, but they're just trying to provide value to you. And it's whether you want to work with them or not. And they don't have the pressure of, you know, commission breath. They just want to say, here, I'm here to help you. Here's what I do. Here's how I do it. Here's where I work. Uh, if you want me to help you, I'm glad to do that, right? And it's so different from some some people who have the commission breath, and you can you can sense that kind of like you know uh, sales pressure, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think just being friends with people and realizing don't look for don't ever count your commissions too. I think that's one mentor of mine um, from KW, uh, Caroline Ho. She I had lunch with her, and she's like do not count your commissions. And I always take that to, um, to the day now. It's like, if you do that in your head and uh, like write it down, then you're going to think about what this is gonna lead to versus helping them. And your clients will see it too. Yeah, I think one of the goals you guys mentioned for your team is like you want to hit, you want to help like 150 plus clients a year. Your goal is to help these families get into great homes, right? Mm -hmm. And that uh, mindset, that vision helps uh, drive the team to achieve the goals. I think well, yeah, we, we're looking at it too. Like I know Wilson made a crazy graph. It shows every single goal, every single year. And you can see how driven he is and the operational standpoint he puts in place and the structures to get to those goals. And it's kind of like crazy to watch it. And it actually happens, you know, because he's envisioning it with you and the team and putting it out there, right? So he puts it out there so everyone knows that he's stepping up, challenging the team, challenging everyone else to, to hit those goals. It's, yeah, not, not every leader does that at all, you know? Visual visualization is very important. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can tell from your uh, from your team that that visualization uh, really does work. So, like in your opinion, too, like what do you think new agents or even seasoned agents should be doing right now to get their get their sales moving, get helping clients, helping uh, achieve people's goals? What do you think they should be doing, and what are they not not doing right now that they should be doing? Mm -hmm. 
So in the beginning, when we weren't sure, it, like during coronavirus, we weren't sure if we could host any open houses or doing any showings or anything. Um, I just reached out to all of my past clients, every single person in my database, and just checked in on them. And I think that is a very pivotal part and make nothing about real estate. Just like, hey, how are you doing? And showing that we're there are people too. And I think that's something where for us all like is to really show the people side of things. And I think that's what people should do is just like, you have your phone book, all the numbers are saved, go down and call from A to B to Z to Z of every single person in your phone book and just say like, hey, you're in my phone book for a reason. Um, we might've met a long time ago, but just wanna see, hey, is there um, anything that you need support with and how, how have you been? It sounds simple, right? It sounds simple, but I think there's some, I don't know. It's a, I guess it's a fear, but people, people in general, like I don't have time to call that many people, and I don't even know if they want to call me. They're busy, right? Why am I spending time calling them? I don't know them. I'm like, well, they're in your phone book for a reason. Like you know, and like you just mentioned, you want to call, reach out to see how they're doing. It's not about sales; it's just about how are they doing? How's everything going on? How's their family? Uh, what they've been up to? Anything they need help? You're providing uh, value, right? You're providing a service. You're providing value. You're here for them, and they can always reach out to you. But if you don't do that, they don't know you exist and someone else is already doing that, right? Mm -hmm. And the relationship is the most important part of uh, this business without any relationship. And you're just like, oh, I'll just post on social media. I'll just, you know, um, do something or I'll just wait for a deal to come through. doesn't really kind of help you, right? No. And like right now, a lot of our business previously was from door knocking and from open houses. And we can't do either of those right now. So it's a really pivot and work with the people we already know and they already trust us. And the great thing is that they're reaching out for help and support. And then a lot of like people might like work with an agent they meet at an open house and like, okay, at least my friends won't. So let me be on top of their mind and understand when their birthdays are. And that, that's something my client care manager is helping with, like really understanding the personal side of things because eventually like, we have 10,000, 20,000 people in our database that it's going to be hard to keep up with. So being able to outsource that and have someone else to be really great at that for you is the next step. Yeah, I think that's a big step. Uh, client care coordinator and creating those relationships, creating events, uh, virtual events right now, but physical events like you did before with all those um, shredding events, movie events, barbecues, picnics, everything you guys have been doing every quarter was amazing because you could see the community coming along. Like you're building your own community for your uh, network and they're sharing it. They're sharing the experience, a real experience with you that they'll never forget versus I'm just calling you to say, hi, hey, you want to buy a house? No, you know, it's completely different. You're creating a community, right? And that relationship alone will uh, create so much success for you and everyone because they see the value you guys provide, not just as helping them buy or sell, but actually uh, caring and providing value to them and creating a lifetime experience of, mem of memories, right? That's more important. And they see that care that is what makes it great. And like you mentioned, having birthdays, anniversaries, you know, um, giving gifts or just talking to them, you know, and reaching out shows that you're there versus someone who sold a house five years ago. Hey, you want to buy or sell your house? Who are you again? I forget. I don't remember you, right? Yeah. <laughs> the lifetime value of helping a client is tremendous. Yeah, I think that's one thing where I always think about is like I would be devastated if um, 
if I didn't keep up in touch with the past client and there was a, someone else's for sale sign in their yard. But I also realized it's okay as well too um, if they like got their own license or have another family member. But I think my goal is to just be so top of mind and make them feel so great that they're never thinking about calling someone else. Right now, I think um, I'm working with like four or five different past clients that I just helped two, two, two and a half years ago buy a house and then they're selling and buying a different house because I did stay top of mind. I did drop by every single holiday um, on Christmas or Thanksgiving with a pie or um, some cookies or wine. So every single client will typically see me at least once a year and they won't forget who I am. I think that's one of the hard, one of the hard things too, because I see like so many agents they're always reaching out for co calling or new leads, new leads, new leads. I'm like, are you even focusing on the opposite? Turn your funnel around. Focus on the relationships first. Focus on your network. Focus on your sphere. Focus on everyone you know. Build the relationships, and then that will provide tremendous value. And then if you have time, focus on new cold leads, right? That are not uh, self generated for say, hey, I want to buy or sell. I raise my hand, but just from other cold leads, right? And by focusing your relationships, like you know, that referral business will be so much exponentially greater. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where um I'm really grateful for right now of being in quarantine and lockdown because we're not allowed to do the open houses because all open houses are new leads and building new relationships. But now it's like, okay, because I've been focusing so much on um the referrals and past clients, it's Basically, I would say triple my business um, this year than I did last year because I've been only focusing on relationships and not new leads. <laughs> yeah, because you know, like one word to put it is the conversion rate is, is so much better, but it's not the conversion, it's the relationship that makes it so much better because they're when they have that great experience with you, like they're going to tell everyone about it. They're going to tell like seven to 10 people about it. And out of those seven to 10 people, you know, there's going to be a handful of people who want to use you because they had that such great experience and they know that you are providing value and not just selling them. And that matters more because even like one of my clients, I met him at a random event from a friend. He said, refer me. But that person, you know, referred me 10 plus other clients. And those people referred me another two plus clients. And how how great is that when you have that kind of like brand advocate who who highly advocates you just to help you and say, hey, I love what you're doing, how you're helping us buy, sell, and invest, that here's all my friends. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. more than a colleague. I don't know you. I'm just calling you randomly to, you know, uh, try to help you. But a lot of people focus on, a lot of agents focus on that too much. Yeah. And I think in the beginning, like new agents, that, that's something where I definitely did focus a lot of code leads of working mm -hmm. open houses, cold calling, door knocking, and you got to start from somewhere too. And I think that's where my mindset was, is like, I was not quite ready to work with my friends quite yet mm -hmm. at that time. Uh, but now I'm like, okay, because I've gone through all these co like rejections and these battles, all these um, hard escrows that now I can fully be of service to you as a friend. And it would be a disservice for me as a friend for you to work with a different agent because I know that they would not service you as well as I would. <laughs> That's a great point. You know, knowing your value and knowing how you're helping them and you're providing that service and like you can do it so much better than another person, right? And then that care you have to your friend, especially. And it's hard to see your friend sometimes use someone else who you know isn't as good or isn't as caring, you know, to help provide the best deal for them it's hard to watch that sometimes but you know everyone has their own personal choice maybe it's a family friend or relative or somebody right where's their parents choice okay so what's a typical day for you too at uh, working 
Um, usually most of our days, um, Monday to Friday, we typically uh, meet as a team on Zoom now. It used to be all in person and we would go over our gratefuls and our wins with um, the team and really understanding what the struggles were going through, any hardships of escrows were, or fires, like foundation issues and litigations with HOAs. These are a lot of things I'm currently going through right now. So sharing that and sharing these like not so bright sides of real estate with others so we they can learn from it and we can learn from each other. Um, so that's usually how we start our day. And then following every day is a little different. Uh, we used to just dive into calls afterwards, following up with our past clients and we're still doing that. And then um, going off to scheduling showings and um, being able to coordinate other like virtual events so every other week we host a virtual educational free webinar and a lot of times it's just inviting people to our free webinar too and it's like hey this is a piece of value it's not like hey you want to buy or sell a house but it's like hey this is a webinar on on estates and trusts which could be very important because you do own a house um, so that's something it's in a way of getting long-term business and I think that's a great way too, because when you're starting to create all these events, you're not just doing one-to-one anymore. You're doing like, you know, kind of like business to business, but you're providing massive value. And I remember going to your last event physically before COVID, and that was a lot of fun. You you and Calvin provided a lot of great value. You showed a, a huge audience uh, about real estate investing, um, how you guys got into 20 plus units uh, so quickly and that you guys are continuing to invest, continue to, to learn and push yourselves and you know be able to expand out of state, out of area and invest into real estate. So let's actually dive into that. How did you actually start investing into real estate? Yeah, the first house um, I bought was um, at 23. So before I got into full-time real estate, I was working hard at Oracle. I remember the lights would turn off and um, a colleague came in and after the gym, like at 8 p.m., and she's like, girl, what are you still doing here? I'm like, I'm trying to buy a house by the age of 28. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember like saying that, I'm like, okay. And then I went to the real estate seminar and bought my house at the age of 23 years old. Congrats. So years in advance. And I was house hacking that home and renting out rooms in the house to fellow colleagues at Oracle. And then I realized, like, okay, wow, this is great. I'm um, helping starting to build wealth and not having to pay rent anymore. Um, I'm paying a mortgage slightly, but it's actually still less than what I was paying for rent. And then I bought my first out of state investment property after listening to a bunch of podcasts and going to um, educational boot camps. I did invest about $30,000 into a uh, real estate like boot camp uh, seminar um, called Fortune Builders and learned a lot through that. And I think that kept me accountable because spending that money, which I didn't really have, and it was just like paying credit card and credit card bill, but then, okay, buying the house and then buying these other investment properties, realizing leveraging the banks and other people's money, OPM, uh, was great ways to get started. And then found Huntsville, Alabama as my first um, out-of-state property because my debt-to-income ratio was pretty cash for my first property, so I could only afford a 50K mortgage. So then buying a property at like 60-something thousand dollars was my first out-of-state venture. And then it snowballed into other properties and putting it out there um, during events. Um, my good friends, Aaron and Maria Ferreira, they're also fortune builders. And I, they mentioned they have a bunch of fourplexes in Kansas City. And then 
I just mentioned, I'm going to buy those from you. And they were not ready to sell them. And uh, they, and I was, I had no money to buy them any at that time, but then I worked hard and was realizing, okay, I can actually buy them. I'm like, Hey, are you interested in selling them? And I think having the mindset of every, how every property is for sale, there's just a price <laughs> and there's just a time and a price for it and figuring out when that time and price is right. And, um, find those properties that shifted another 12 units for us. So that was a big milestone of relationships. That's a huge uh, goals and accomplishments too, especially at such a young age and starting it and buying your first house at 23, you know, that's amazing. It's not easy, especially in the Bay area. It's not easy. Even if you're house hacking, just to be able to buy a house and to actually do it at that young age is a major accomplishment that most people can't even achieve now. Right. And the housing is just so expensive, but to actually, you know, logically look at the numbers, understand it, understand that if you, if you buy it, you can, you can pay for it or you can have, you can house hack it as well to just make that burden a little bit, a lot easier and by doing that too you're saving so much money that you can actually use that money to invest in the outside real estate and just build it up and you mentioned alabama as one of the first because of the price points because of your debt to income ratios and to do it but how did you pull the trigger and actually let go to buy your first one because i think that's the major challenge people see is like letting go to buy something that they haven't either seen or they haven't lived there or they're just like you know i don't i can't manage it you know yeah so the question is buying the first out-of-state property right yeah yeah what really helped was buying my first property here locally because I realized like you don't need the down payment and there's other ways to leverage for the down payment. Um, so leveraging a home equity line of credit for my parents' initial home um, that they're still living in and then paying them back. And there's great programs. If you live in San Francisco or San Mateo County, there's a poppy loan that does um, zero to 10% down um, that you don't need the whole like down payment. Everyone's like, Oh, I need to save 20%, 20%. But I've helped clients buy a million dollar home in Redwood city for 0% down. They just paid some closing costs, did a little renovations and um, it was refinanced and appraised for 1.2 plus. And they were able to vote, like not have to pay rent anymore. If you're thinking you're paying like $3,000, $4,000 a month in rent, that's like 36,000, 48,000 a year and over three years, your rent's going to jump up. That's going to be 150 grand that I'm glad I'm not paying. So going through that first experience really helps me like go through the second process and um, realizing that you can send inspectors out there um, and you have agents to look out there for you. And the first purchase I actually like bought from like a turnkey company and it wasn't the best um best purchase at the, like, but I think I learned so much and it's still increased in value. I actually did a 10, 1031 exchange with the property bought in 2017 in uh, February and I sold it about February 2020 um, this year. So three years later, and then it was, I sold it for 115 grand. So it's not like a, the hugest growth because I had to pay some fees and some maintenance issues, but I still made money on it. And then being able to roll that over, I was making $100 in cash flow a month in that and roll that over into the fourplex um, that I bought from Maria and Aaron. And that was um, now making about $600 cash flow. So just starting with that and just understanding like the tax benefits, um, you can do tax deferment. You can't, like when you sell stocks, for example, you can't trade it to another stock tax deferred. You still have to pay taxes on that first stock. Um, like we still have to pay taxes down the road, but it's deferred till you die. So learning all the benefits from um, 1031 exchange and just being knowledgeable is 
the first step, but I think I just did it. <laughs> I was like, I just want to do it. I want to, I also made a competition with Calvin, my boyfriend. I was like, I'm going to buy the second property for you. And <laughs> yeah, like a little competition within ourselves, like whoever, because he's in sales too, is like whoever earns more this year than the loser who made less has to buy the one an investment property. Oh, nice. That's a good competition. <laughs> that's a good boyfriend too he'll buy you your next house you know if he if he you know <laughs> but you're beating him anyways you're killing him so i'm sure you know he's buying all of them now no, it works hard too here, so. <laughs> he's a smart guy he's a fun uh nice guy too he, he looks like he works really hard and uh you guys push each other to do better together which is a lot of fun so you buy your first investment out of state and then how did it go like you owned it and who managed it who did all the, all the work to remodel it who you know did everything yeah. So the first property was a turnkey property. So it was already remodeled. I did have some maintenance issues on the property. Um, but overall, I, we like the first tenant I had was actually like like the electrician, electrician who worked on the house. Um, so he paid rent on time for the first few months and then stopped paying rent. So I eventually within like eight months had to like had to evict him i didn't know what to do but had to evict him and luckily they we were able to get him out i had to call the original seller like can you get him out for me because he's not paying so it's a lot of calls a lot of frustrations um initially but then once i got a property manager in there uh, i used renters warehouse they're a pretty large property management company that is in multiple states. Um, they were able to get a tenant pretty quickly and they handled a lot of the calls. I would just get text updates. Do you approve this? Do you approve this? So then um, I I didn't have to worry about it. I was paying a little extra every single month, um, not cash flowing as much and only cash flowing $100 or less, but I realized it was worth the time. It's like, I'm still making it and still building the equity. This tenant is still paying versus like eating up my monthly costs of like, a non-paying tenant and then once the tenant um moved out i was like okay i'm just gonna sell it because i want to do a 1031 exchange for this next opportunity so that's a good thing you mentioned so a couple of things we can kind of go back on is that you know you spend a lot of time learning and i think investing out investing just putting yourself out there and to invest is you're going to quickly learn you're going to do it on the fly but at the same time you're educating yourself really quickly uh you're learning how to invest how to let go how to delegate how to find a great team in each specific market to have like a property manager who can help you with uh leasing with the management with the evictions uh even if you're cash flowing 100 you're actually not you're doing more than that because you think about that long-term gain over the years also the uh, appreciation and the tax benefits it's way more than the hundred dollars initially you just have to get over the mindset hey it's not hundred dollars i'm building real wealth to get to the next property it's all about going to the next one the next one and you're just starting at a, a certain point to grow and you're learning from it and hopefully not losing money uh, but you're growing from that and just being able to improve the process improve the uh, units and just keep growing it right mm -hmm. so from that you 1031 exchange and then you guys got bigger quicker faster Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we got a fourplex and we're actually under contract for a 16 unit back in Huntsville, Alabama. So we're flying out in, uh, next weekend to go take a look at it. So um, that's where we were initially we were really scared to go into like that large of a complex. But now it's like, OK, we've done it. We've learned it now. How do we grow on a bigger scale? And it's just through experience and you can listen to all these podcasts. You can read all these books, but unless, until you do it, until you're in in the whole deal you're like you won't learn 
Yeah, I think Michael Blanc talks about that, like the law of the first deal. It's always about the first deal. Once you get into the first deal, then it'll just be so much easier, faster because you got over the initial hump. And that's mm -hmm. the hardest one to get through. Some people, even himself, he said he took like almost 18 months to get his first deal under contract and just a mindset to get there. And once you break through it, then the second one just comes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So just like you, you got the first one. And right after that, uh, you did it quicker, quicker than most people, but you got the first one. And then after that, you exchanged quickly to the next one. And now you guys are 20 plus units. Yeah, so we'll be probably over 30, 30 something with the 16 unit by the end of this year. Okay, nice. That'll be a lot of fun. And I think, and you chose why, I mean, you started with Alabama because of the price point, but why do you stay there now? It was just relationships too. So Calvin's a part of a group called GoBundance, which is um, accredited investors who invest in real estate. And it's all boys or else I would, or all men, <laughs> or else I would join. Um, oh, really? and it was um, someone in the network too. And how we stumbled upon Kansas City was because our friends Aaron and Maria had properties and were willing to buy it. And it's just a deals came and it's not specifically the market, but yes, it is the cash flow we will get in the market and the upside that we will get. These are 16 separate townhomes that we're getting. So they're not stacked on top of each other. So we really like that aspect of it and um, the it's low rents right now around like 500, but the market rents around 750. So there's so much upside to that, that we can improve on. And uh, right now like this, it's also because we're pretty capped on like how many loans we can get too. So once you like each person, you can get 10 loans under Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac for one to four unit properties. And we're pretty capped on that. Um, we're, Almost, we, we still have a few more that we can leverage, but now it's like, okay, we need to start leveraging and shifting these to um, larger units because they're commercial loans and now there's no limitation on that. They more so focus on the property and the income. Yeah, I think what they talk about too is that in the syndication deals that you can just start going bigger quicker. As soon as you're comfortable and ready, just let go and go and start exchanging your uh, smaller properties for bigger commercial loans. So that way you can get rid of the limitations so you don't have to worry about your DTI and you're just basing it on per property itself, the commercial property and their numbers. And once you start doing that and finding the right team in place to manage it, then you can just grow so much quicker because now you have the process, you have the team, you have the lenders who can do the loans and you have your credibility already that you can get rid of that kind of like the smaller one to fours but one to fours is a great way to start mm -hmm. and to build up and i think building bigger to um is easier in a sense that you less managing you know like less property managing for them to drive around and do all that stuff and you see like grant cardone they're like 450 units per property right it's crazy how many 450 units per property and the price points they're at like 150 million dollars 300 million dollars or 500 million dollar properties yeah yeah i still think because like we also have a mortgage statement for every single one. We have taxes for each one dealing with the insurance, the utilities, because some of them um, the we're working with the housing authorities. So we have to pay the utilities, the utilities for four different, like all these different units. Like that's a lot to deal with. So for capacity wise, it's like, it's just better to get something larger and have someone else manage it and not have to like, and only have one mortgage statement versus like 16 different mortgage statements. Yeah, I think that's the a great way to do it over time. But either way, you didn't you you've done a lot already, and just to kind of like dial it in and focus, so you can get your time and energy back and just focus on bigger properties. Uh, but certainly, you know, you're not doing anything wrong at all. You're just growing it, right? And it's, either way, you're growing the unit count. But simplicity wise, yeah, like one roof, one foundation, one one of everything is so much easier than twenty of everything. Mm -hmm.
So what's the, what advice would you give um, to investors right now to invest or to buy anywhere? Mm-hmm. Say right now is the Nike logo is just do it. Um, like go in something you feel comfortable with. And even if you don't have tenants, like you're okay losing that money. But like in the long run, um, look at markets that are growing or very stable. We've invested in San Antonio. We've invested in Dallas. We've invested in Kansas City, Huntsville, Alabama. Um, but just reaching out to people out there, pick up the phone and just call agents, call property managers, call contractors, call lenders. Um, but I guess beforehand is get pre-approved <laughs> because there are lenders that can lend in all 50 states. So uh, within one to four units, if you want to start off with there. So get pre-approved, see what price point you are approved for, and then focus on the markets that have those price points. Uh, whether like if you're making 50 um, kind of losing you for a second. You hear me? Uh, yeah, I can hear you. Uh, your Wi-Fi or a um, little frozen. Is it still frozen? Okay. No? Yeah, it's still frozen. Okay. Um, too sure. I can reset it. So while we're waiting for Jenny to come back online, um, a little frozen for a second, but what we're talking about too is like, you know, investing in real estate and buying out of state properties right now, what you want to focus on is just doing it. And in order to just do it and buy real estate, what you need to think about is, okay, starting off, you want to get pre-approved like uh, Jenny mentioned and getting pre-approved with, you know, any uh, a good lender and having the good lender um, kind of verify your numbers, what you're trying to do. If you're trying to buy a one to four unit property, then you want to get pre-approved and ready to go so you understand what you need. I think the first part of investing is finding finding a lender first and finding a lender who can help you um, so you know exactly all the documentation you need in order, what you actually qualify for. And then from there, they call it the core four. So from that lending perspective, you need a good realtor who specializes, I would say, in investing in real estate who knows about real estate uh who invests themselves in the market that you want to be in um the second part is uh choosing the right market that you want to be in is it a primary market is it a secondary market is it you know class a b or c meaning the type of properties and seeing what you can afford and then looking for a good property manager and a contractor um in that too what you want to do is realize that you know everyone has their own individual goals and you want to kind of cross verify each person so if i want to buy a property here the agent might say hey, it's worth this price this price but the leasing terms might be 500 uh 500 a door but the property manager might be like no realistically it's 650 a door and here's how you do it sometimes the agent might say it's more than it really is or they might think it is but you kind of have to balance each other and say well the property manager says 650 a door the agent says 500 a door take your best judgment use bigger pockets calculators use craigslist look at it uh see the conditions of the property the locations the real value what's the upcoming uh things going on if you're looking at universities right now a lot of universities are not in school so how does that affect the properties the rents the cash flow and you look at other things and after that too you got to find the right contractors the right handyman and you can rely on the property manager but you still want to get a second opinion because you have to make sure that they're pricing it accordingly to you because you they know you're out of state uh investor right so they know that they might be able to push the numbers a little bit higher than it should be so you want to have cross verified and look at the yelp look at everything there 
But I was just talking back while waiting for you to come back, um, just about different types of ways to invest and how to look at it and how to get started. But it's ultimately comes down to your core four and also finding the right lenders to help you because not all lenders can do the loans you need. Yeah, that's definitely um, something that's the first step of understanding and also having a good mentor to, to be along your side is very important. That is true because um, going out of state is initially just the hardest challenge. And if you have a right mentor who has done it already, that they can kind of get, get you through those humps. Like even for you, you know real estate, but at the same time, it's a different market completely. And you have um, having mentors too to go through it with you and show you how they do it as out-of-state buyers, mm -hmm. investors, then it helps you get through it faster, right? Yeah. And some of the mistakes that we've learned is uh, we found a deal that was directly at like a fourplex in near San Antonio. And then we just went directly to the listing agent and then bought it from them and got it on a discount, but it's been such a headache of a property. So we've had rats in the house and bad tenants, and there's a lot of issues that keep on arising in the property. So we're just gonna sell it. And I think that's the one mistake is we did not have our own real estate agent go look at the deal because obviously the listing agent is working for the seller first first and foremost um, before you so and they want to get the deal done yeah, I think that's a great uh, point. Even in any market that you want to have a person who represents you first and helps you look out for your interests and hopefully helps you find the right deal and not just tries to put a deal together. Uh, there are some agents out there, investors who would just put the deal together like, okay, yeah, that's great property. Go buy it. You know, and I get my sales commission. Great. But hopefully you vetted the agent, you vetted the property manager and the other people in your core four, even the lender too. You can always ask the lender, hey, do you think this is actually a good property to buy? Is it really worth this price? And the, hopefully those lenders will show their experience and say, yeah, actually that's good or bad. If the lender doesn't want to do it or they don't feel comfortable, especially in commercial property, then you really got to look at the deal again and say, why aren't they willing to invest in the deal? You know? Mm -hmm. especially in commercial uh, apartment buildings, the lenders will vet the numbers too and say, hey, that's realistic. And if they do it and the agent does it and the property manager all agree, then it's a good deal. Then you got to jump on it. Mm -hmm. So what's your next goal too? Like right now, um, what's your next goals for this year, for next year? Yeah, uh, this, um, this, goals, uh, this year I would say is uh, closing on the 16 unit and probably buying something else by the end of the year. I think the goal for next year is to be at um, 50 units, ideally. <laughs> and Robin always says, it's not about the units, it's more about the cash flow and like the return on it. Uh, so that's something where, why not both? Um, where we can have 50 units and can grow and be able to get over like $10,000, $15,000 of passive income. I think the first goal is the $10,000 by the end of this year or early next year. And then that will be able to, um, snowball effect into a lot larger growth into the next units and personal is to be able to coach a lot more students and um, coach team members our team is growing so we're always looking to hire new like agents as well too I know there's a lot of great teams out there and have to figure out what's a good fit I know Matthew you're running your own uh, as well too so that's something where um, we all love to collaborate and that's where um, you want to really help other people be able to get to their goals. So first is my um, my client care manager assistant, be able to help her align a path to get to her um, first investment property. 
That's a great goal. And I, I like that you said that you want to help your client care manager reach her goal. And that, that's really good because she knows that you ultimately care about her uh, well-being and that you're trying to help push her too while she's working and learning from you. The most part, I think, is learning from you and being able to also help her reach her goals and watching out for them um, is really good because they, they can your team becomes so much better because they have that trust in helping each other and they, you guys have the same goals and passions. Uh, hitting your 10K goal a month would be really great. And once you do that, that snowball effect will go crazy because imagine if you keep reinvesting the 10K a month into bigger, more properties and uh, better potentials, uh, then you just keep growing all the way up, right? Mm-hmm. And going to 50 units is uh, a way to do it. And yeah, of course, I know like Calvin, I want cash flow. I want equity. I want I want everything. I want all of it. Okay, just give me all of it. I know you can do it, Jen, uh, Jenny. You can give me everything. You know, you're a beast. You give me everything. Everyone knows that you can get any deal done. <laughs> no matter what market it is, you'll get it done. But that's a great goal. And I think uh, there are a lot of people still buying. I think people ask, are the people still investing with COVID? Are people still flying and buying investment properties? They are buying it. And even some of the biggest syndicators, they're buying a lot right now. Mm-hmm. They're finding the deals and they're buying it. Yeah, because right now the deals are happening. And I think it's a lot of people are scared. Um, the people, I think within our age too, where we are a little healthier, we're still going to take our precautions where at 95s and everything while we'll we fly over there, but other people who do have the money, um, a bit older generation, maybe my parents' generation, um, our parents' generation, they are the ones who have more of the cash, but they're not willing to go fly out and do these deals. So, or there might be the ones that are willing, like looking to sell too. So there's a lot of deals to happen at any market at any time. We just have to find them and um, be able to jump on the opportunities. Yeah, so I think it's about building relationships, reaching out to everyone, finding the deals, and then executing on the deals you find that are good. And yeah, we're younger. We have time. We have a lot of time left to do that. And um, right now, people are looking to sell. And if you find the right opportunity, there's some good ones. And one thing you take a look at, too, is the vacancy factor. So how many tenants are vacant? How many people are not paying rent? Uh, How has the past six months been with COVID? Who's been paying? Who hasn't been paying? You can kind of look at that and you can see some operators actually going to say, hey, I'm going to take a 25% vacancy factor now. And if I can get the deal at 25% vacancy factor and still break even, I'll take the deal right now, right? Because they're going to make money on it. And I saw one uh, investor syndicator mention recently, hey, this property will cash flow at 52% vacancy factor. I'm like, whoa, that's actually a really good deal then because you know the upside to that is tremendous. And they know it's not going to really hit 52%, but at the same time, it worst case scenario, if it did, um, they're fine. So mm-hmm. that's a good investment to jump into if you're passively a passive investor. So right now, you're an active investor, more active than passive, right? Yeah, I would Are say you- active just so that um, Kevin and I, uh, he does a lot of the, the support of it. I'm actively doing the real estate sales side to be able to help fund as well, too. So um the goal is to convert to passive down the road and become a lender ourselves too, and be able to provide other aspiring um, real estate investors to more so be able to get leverage on our money versus like our time. One thing you could do is kind of like, if you go to the grant card go method and you actually take all your properties you have, all of the, the 50 units by the time you get it, and you actually turn it into a syndication and you, you sell it to the syndication company. And from that syndication company, you, you already know your numbers. You already vetted everything. You can actively give them a certain percentages and take get your money back and also provide value to your clientele mm-hmm. in, a, in a 506B, right? Yeah, that's definitely a great idea. 
yeah many more events to come but that is one way you could do it we can always talk about that um different ways to structure your deals and how to keep growing but that's what he did too he like he bought a 450 million dollar property uh himself right and then did everything got all running and then syndicated back out and then charged the percentages but then he already knows it's successful and has a track record so people just jump in to buy it but yeah great thank you so much for um hopping on this podcast today um anything else we want to give our audience before you go any advice, any tips? Say um, throughout this is always keep learning. And I think it's great that you're hosting all these podcasts with different people. So never stop learning and don't be comfortable with <laughs> <laughs> yourself. And uh, you guys can all follow me on Instagram. I post a lot of stories at Jenny Lok, um, J-E-N-N-I-E-L-O-K. Perfect. I'm glad for them to reach out to you. Um, you know, Jenny is from the own real own real estate team, and she's in San Francisco, San Mateo uh, area. And feel free to reach out to her. Let her know any questions about real estate investing, buying out of state. Um, look forward to seeing you soon on our next podcast. And thanks so much for being here and sharing your advice with people. I'm I'm excited to see you get to 50 units, and then I'm I'm going to be super excited when you get to syndicate the deals out. Awesome. Thanks so much, Cool. We'll talk to you more soon. But everyone, check out the Truth About Real Estate podcast, events, and more at matthewma.com and on Apple Podcasts. And we'll see you soon. Thanks. Thank you.